Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Uh, well, today, like we said, is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent, and we are so thankful to get to celebrate this with you uh, as we gather next, December 23rd, at the Farmer's Market when we do our Christmas Eve Eve service. That will be our major service for Christmas, and then we'll gather online together for a, uh, a brief a message on Christmas morning. Uh, but when we gather together next, we'll light the Christ candle, and we'll signify that Jesus has come and that we are anticipating His return, that we are a people who are waiting for him to come again. That's what Advent is all about, that Jesus has come before and he is coming again, and we are people who wait with hope and love and peace and joy for his return, and that one day we will be with him where he will rule and reign over all of creation in his perfect way. And so I'm excited about that and thankful that we've been able to celebrate this year together already with Advent. And my prayer for us as a church and for you as individuals is that hopefully you've already taken some time, and if not, that you will in this coming week to center your heart around Jesus and to be able to celebrate the things that God has brought into our lives with his hope, his love, his joy, his peace. All of these things that we're celebrating with the Advent season that can be ours and should be ours as followers of Jesus if we will center our hearts on him. So this morning, we're diving back into this series that we're calling Journey to Christmas, and we're looking at people who took the first journey to the original Christmas, when Jesus was born into this earth. Uh, and we talked, number one, about Mary and how she was the kind of person, and we want to be like her, uh, who said yes to God's assignment. Uh, and that she was the kind of person that said, man, if God has something for me, I am preparing my heart to be a part of that, and I will say yes to God when he asks me to be a part of his plan. And then last week, we said we want to be like Joseph as well. Joseph was a person who didn't have the full story. He didn't have everything in place to know the things that Mary did. He wasn't given that kind of uh, initial story that an angel came to her and said, you're going to have the child that's going to be the son of God and the Messiah of the world. Joseph didn't have that, but once he found that message, and when the angel came to him, he was the kind of person who began to trust and who walked in trust in God and said, I'm going to place my trust in him even when I don't have the full picture, even when I don't know what it all looks like. And we want to be people like that too, that we learn like Joseph to trust God in the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our trials, and no matter what, that we'll follow him in obedience. And then today we're going to be turning our attention to look at the shepherds who were out in the fields and angels who came to them to give them the story of Jesus's birth. And we're going to see how these shepherds responded. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter two. That's where we're going to be focusing in this morning. Uh, and as we get there, I want to just tell you this. I'm the first person to admit, as we talk about joy today, that this season of year can often be a season that robs me of joy. Uh, I just am one of those people that go through some seasonal depression when it comes to this time of year. I don't know if you kind of feel that same thing or not, uh, but when it gets dark at 5 p.m. and it's cold, and like I'm good up until Christmas and New Year, there's things to celebrate, there's uh, songs to sing and movies to watch, and there's family celebrations to go to and kids stuff at school and 
and all the different things and life is busy and full and hectic and all that and I'm just joyous and full of the Christmas spirit and then something happens right after New Year where it's like, yeah, but it's dark at 4.30 and it's cold outside and I don't really like this at all. And so I am the kind of person that would go, if you walked up to me and said, well, is your heart just full of joy today? I'd be like, nope, it is not because tonight at four, it's going to be dark. Like see how it's getting earlier and earlier? The darkness just keeps coming in my mind at least. It was 5.30, then it was 4.30, now it's four o'clock and it's like, it's just, I know it's coming and I am not full of joy and I won't be until it's warm and light after 7 p.m. Like that's my standard, right? And so we're going, that's what I'm looking for. But I know in my heart that those seasons come for me where it's like, man, are you full of joy? And I can easily let my circumstances dictate how I feel. But the truth is, as we're going to see today, I hope as we kind of get through this and into this, is that happiness is something that our circumstances can dictate how we feel. Joy is something that's supposed to be present in us no matter the circumstances around us. And that's what we want to seek after. That's what we want to be the people who are looking for is unending joy like we just sang about. What does it look like to be a person who has unending joy in Jesus? And so before we get into that, I want us to look at the story of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. And I want us to read this together. We're going to begin in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And just a little while ago at the beginning of our service, uh, Ethan and Nora and Sam quoted this. And I told you guys last week, my brother led worship for us last week and again this morning. I told you I don't often claim him or tell people that he's my brother, but I will always claim those three. They were amazing this morning and did an awesome job quoting that passage. And so now I'm going to read it because I'm not as good as them. So here's what it says in verse eight. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they had, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
And so I want us to stop there this morning and I want us to start thinking about this journey that's been taking place. Mary and Joseph have made the journey to Bethlehem. Luke tells us that while they were there after a period of time, we kind of often have this vision in our minds of them like pulling into Bethlehem and Mary just like about to have a child immediately and have to find a place. But Luke actually tells us while they were there, the days were accomplished that she would have this child, that they've gone to Bethlehem to register for a census, they've paid their taxes, and now they're there and Mary has given birth to Jesus, the Son of God entered the world only to be laid in a manger. And we've walked this journey with Mary and Joseph a little bit, and now we get to this point in time where Jesus is born. And I have to tell you that if you and I were in charge of this story, we would probably have done things much differently, right? And we talked about that a little bit last week. But if you can imagine being responsible for sending the Son of God into the world, probably you would have chosen, I don't know, at least a four-star hotel to let him be born in, right? Or maybe, I don't know, a hospital, something like that. And you're going, no, 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 they've kind of had this moment where she gives birth. They're in some type of a guest room. They're in someone's home, more than likely. Um, We think about it sometimes as being a stable, but that's maybe not completely accurate. That's a different sermon I'll do it another time. Uh, But when we think about this, she has this child, she wraps him in cloths and places him in a manger. Now, a manger, when we think about that, a lot of the times we think about, and we'll see, and probably this week sometime on stage at the Christmas service, we'll have a little manger that's been built and it's all made out of wood uh, and it has straw in it. But the mangers of this day and time were chiseled out of stone. And so there's this cold stone that's been chiseled for the animals to eat out of like a feeding trough. And Mary places Jesus in one of those. And when we think about this, we go, man, if I were going to do this story, I would do it so differently. Like, I wouldn't put the Son of God in a manger like that, in a feeding trough. And yet Luke gives us these details, and I think he does it. Again, this is a way for us to know that the Bible is reliable. Because if you were trying to make up a story to convince the world that the Son of God had come, you would have done it in a grandiose fashion. You would have done it in some way that brought incredible stories and incredible details and miraculous things would have happened. And and then he would have been placed in some kind of a fancy bed in the home of a palace, right? But if this is accurate, and if Luke is just trying to give historical, factual evidence of Jesus, he's going to tell a story that you and I would not have written. And I think that's exactly what he's doing. It's one of the reasons that I love the Bible so much. It gives us these details that we're like, it had to have been that way because you wouldn't have written it like that. So it has to be true. It's got to be evidence of the reality of what took place. The next thing that we would do if we were writing this grand narrative is we would not send angels out into fields where shepherds were. We would have sent them to some other group of people, more prestigious, more important, not to shepherds. But that's, in fact, exactly what God does. When he wants to announce the Messiah, he sends them to shepherds. But here's something important that you should know about these shepherds. They weren't your everyday, average, run-of-the-mill shepherd like you may be thinking about. These were important shepherds, if you will. And what we know about the area where Jesus is born is he's born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem sits about six miles from the city of Jerusalem. And between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, there are fields. And these particular fields are known as Migdal Adair, the watchtower of the flock. It's where the sheep gave birth to lambs who would be used in the temple sacrifices at Jerusalem. 
And the shepherds who were there who received these lambs as they were being born and who would wrap them in cloths were the shepherds that would inspect those lambs to make sure that there was no defect or blemish about them, that they would be worthy of being offered as sacrifices at some point in the future because they would pay for the sins of the people for that year or for that period of time. And so as the shepherds that we're thinking about, they were particular shepherds chosen by God. They were used to looking at lambs and saying, this one is good. Let's take care of it. They would wrap it in cloths and then they would leave it lying in, guess what? A manger so that it wouldn't be trampled on or hurt by any of the other sheep and that it would be kept pure and pristine in order to be offered as a sacrifice later. And so when we sing the song, the first Noel, and I have to tell you, I really don't like that song. And here's why. It's not because of the song. It's because growing up in elementary school, every year I was offered a solo to sing in our Christmas concerts and things that we did at school. And because my name is Joel, guess what name uh, song they chose for me to sing every single year? The first Noel, right? And so uh, my friends all got this brilliant thing about going, the first Joel. Like it became this thing. I was like, oh, it's real funny, guys. Like nobody's ever thought of that before, right? And so I was always kind of the butt of the joke when it came to the first Noel and I was the first. Joel. And that was just the thing. And so every year, I don't know why, but my teacher would be like, there's a song and a solo. Who's going to do it? You will. Right. And so it was always me. And I got to the point where I just despised that song. I was like, I hate it. I don't want to hear it. I don't like people joking about it. Uh, But I didn't come to appreciate it until I knew these things about these shepherds. Because there's a line in the song that says, the first Noel, the angels did say to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay. They weren't regular old everyday average run of the meal shepherds. They were certain shepherds. They were shepherds chosen by God who knew what it looked like to inspect the lambs who would be offered as sacrifices. Because what does John call Jesus? He says, that's the lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. So when these shepherds roll up to the manger, and we're going to get to that part of the story later, they're people who are used to seeing perfect, spotless lambs for sacrifice and saying, that one's good. It's right. So God, in his wisdom, chooses to do things we would not do. God is intentional and he's deliberate with his message. He has intentional things that he's choosing to do along the way in this story to help us understand who he is and what he's doing. He could have sent anyone to be the first visitors of the Messiah, but because God's plan was for the Messiah to die for our sins, he sent shepherds to inspect his land, the one who would die for all mankind. That's who these shepherds are. And so when we see this, the next thing that I want you to see is that we may have chosen people of much higher social standing to meet the Messiah if we were in charge of that, but God's purposes override our logic right? It's no accident that these shepherds showed up. So now that we know who the angel is talking to, let's remember what he told them. And here's the angel's message to the shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, the typical Jewish mindset was that the Messiah was coming into the world. He was coming to rescue and redeem the Jewish people, and he was going to set them free from the occupation of Rome so that they would once again have their kingdom, that they would once again establish the kingdom of Israel. David's throne would be given to this Messiah who was coming, and he would rule and he would reign 
as king over Israel. But when God sends his Messiah into the world, he says, listen, that is too small of a thing. I am not focused on the occupation of Israel. There's a bigger issue at play that I'm sending my Messiah into the world to accomplish, and that's the salvation from sin. Because while Rome is occupying parts of the world, sin occupies the heart of every human being on planet Earth. And something has to be done about sin. So when God sent Jesus, he wasn't just bringing Jesus into the world to save us from Rome. He was bringing Jesus into the world to save us from sin. His first advent was a rescue mission that he came to liberate and to set us free from sin. His second advent that we're waiting for and anticipating is the time where he's going to come back and rule and reign. He will inherit the throne of David. He will bring his peace to all of the earth. He will bring joy like we've never known before in his rule and his reign that's going to be eternal, where he will allow those to wait with him and reign with him who have accepted his salvation. Isaiah 49.6 talks about this idea. It says, God says, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Right? So God's plan is global. That's why we're going to be talking about what we will in January. When you, be, when you come back in January and we gather together for J-Term and worship services on Sundays, we're going to be focusing in on this global idea that the gospel is for everyone and that Jesus has come to save everyone on earth that will receive him, that his message needs to be taken out to the entire world. God isn't content to let people perish in their sins. He sends Jesus to pay for our sins so that if we'll accept him, we'll find eternal life with him. That's the good news. That's where joy comes from. So let's look back at the shepherds for a minute. And you have to imagine when this angel just shows up in the middle of the night sky while they're out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night, and all of a sudden an angel is in the sky, that they're terrified. Luke tells us they were terrified. Some translations say they were sore afraid. I don't know if that means that they were like so petrified that it actually caused their muscles to ache. But they're sore afraid. They're terrified. Right? And so we get this idea that there's something going on and they have to be confused. Shepherds were some of the lowliest people in society. Like these shepherds have to be looking at each other and going, this angel showed up at the wrong place, man. I mean, like he should be down the road in Jerusalem at the, you know, at Herod's palace or something like he should be somewhere with the high priest or someone else should be getting this message. Why is this angel here? And there's got to be some confusion about this. But when we see it, the angel gives them a sign that this message is really for them. He says, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, wrapping a baby in cloths, especially for poorer peasant type people, wasn't that uncommon. That you would take whatever cloths you had and wrap your child in and keep them warm. These cloths more than likely were the same types of cloths that they would wrap the lambs in when they were born, but this was not uncommon. What was uncommon was taking that baby then and placing it in a feeding trough, in a stone manger. And going, yeah, this is where we're going to place our baby tonight, right? And so when the shepherds hear this, they go, wait, the angel didn't make a mistake. He's not saying that we should go to a palace or we should go to a courtroom and find this child. We should go to the temple, all places where they were not welcomed. He's going, you're going to find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. He's come for you. And this isn't a mistake. This isn't something that God did haphazardly. 
God wants you to be the one that finds his child. And so when the angel told them to go and search for the child, they knew that they were going to find him, not in a place where they were unwelcome, but in a place that they could go freely. And so when we think about that sign today and the angel's going, hey, this is going to be a sign for you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. The sign that we've been given today is not a manger. That was just the beginning of the story. For us today, our sign is the cross and the empty tomb. Another stone setting where Jesus' body was placed. And just like the manger that he was placed in at his birth and the tomb that he was placed in at his death, they're both empty today. And that's the good news for us. That when we need a sign, is God for us? Do we have joy? Do we have a relationship with God? Is there peace that's available to me? Can I hope in this world? All you have to do is look to the cross and the tomb, and you're going to find that there is hope for you, that there's life for you, that there's joy for you, that there's peace for you, and it comes through Jesus Christ. And so as we see these things, we're told about this gift of joy But here's what we find next with the angels and the shepherds. The angel says, you're going to have to go and find this child. And so they had to go and seek for it. And here's what's amazing about the shepherd's story. Seeing Jesus changed everything for them. Like they started this night just out in the fields doing their same mundane, boring, routine kind of things, watching the sheep, just keeping everybody alive, making sure no sheep run off and do their own thing. Like they're just kind of there hanging out. But when they get this message from an angel that they're supposed to go and seek for the child, they have a decision to make. Am I going to do that? Or am I going to stay right here? And when they go and seek out the child, it says that their lives were changed. Once they found the gift of joy, they began to spread the word that they had been told. Luke tells us that all those who heard them were amazed at what the shepherds said. And here's why that's fascinating. Because again, shepherds weren't considered credible sources of information. Their testimony was not allowed in a court of law because they weren't looked at as being able to to give factual details and information. That's how low they were on the totem pole of society. And so for the shepherds to leave the site of Jesus' birth and to have seen the Messiah and then to go and to start telling others about him and the people around are hearing their message and going, the people were all amazed at what the shepherds were saying. They're hearing the testimony of shepherds and they're blown away by what they're being told. The shepherds' lives were radically changed. They start going out and publicly professing that the Messiah has been born onto the earth. And I just wonder for us today, when we think about this same thing in our lives, how much has Jesus changed us? Are we still excited about finding Jesus and the joy that he's brought into our lives that we're telling other people about him? Or have we become content to just go, oh, I found him, and I'm just going to keep that for me. That's my little secret. Me and Jesus have this special relationship and this special connection, and I like to come and be in worship services, and I like to do to my Bible studies, and I like to have my own personal time with God, but it's a very private thing. It's not something I tell people about. I'm not going to interrupt anybody's life with these things. The shepherds found Jesus, and then they were radically transformed by him. And here's why. Because as the angels proclaimed this, the angels start saying, hey, you're going to find this baby and he's going to be wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And they start to figure out that there is good news of great joy. And they go, this is joyful to us. 
There is a Savior that's been born, and he's not just for everybody else. He's for us. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. The good news of Jesus is for everyone, but the good news of Jesus is for you, and in him you find great joy. It's a personal message. Like the angels start off by going, good news of great joy for all people. And if they had stopped there, the the shepherds might have gone, yeah, yeah, all people means everybody but us. Like, I don't even know why you're here. But then the angel goes further and says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger. He goes from being very general to the whole world to being very specific. It's a gift for you. And there's a gift of joy that's there. And so when we think about this, this isn't just something that we as Christians believe that we should be looking for joy. Like everyone in the world wants joy. In fact, in the first century, one of the um, uh, pagan writers of the first century, we're going to call him Epic because I don't know that I can pronounce his actual name, but you're going to see this quote from him on the screen. It says, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he's unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He, the emperor, cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns for more than even outward peace. And so when we think about that, we're going, even even pagan authors, even pagan writers think about these things that go, I want peace in my life. I want joy. I want hope. I want love. But if you're looking for it anywhere other than Jesus, you're not going to find it in its entirety. You might find semblances of hope and some peace, and a little bit of joy. And you might experience love, but not in the fullness that God has intended for you. Because the fullness of these things is found in Jesus. And so the question then is, where are you looking for joy? And understand that there's a difference between happiness and joy. We talked about that at the very beginning. Happiness is something that can be circumstantial. I'm happy because something happened to me. My team won, my child was born, my family's doing well, I succeeded at work. It brings me happiness. But happiness can be circumstantial. Joy persists through our circumstances. No matter what comes along, I failed the test. My family member didn't live. I didn't get the promotion. In fact, they demoted me at work. Something didn't happen the way that I anticipated it happening but I still have joy because my joy is not circumstantial. My joy is found in Jesus. And that's the whole message of the angels. If you want real lasting, uninterrupted, complete joy, go on this search for Jesus. Go and find him, put eyes on him, start a relationship with him. Joy isn't found in things. It's found in a person. Joy is going to always be found in knowing Jesus. And then here's the next thing on your outline that you should get if you're writing some things down. There's one last thing that brings joy to the shepherds, and that's knowing that God's word to them was true. Right? The first thing that they do is they see Jesus, and they go, man, that is joy in and of itself that I've seen him. I know him. The Messiah has come. But then they also get this in verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, which were just as they had been told. God's word had come true. The things they were told were legitimate. They were real. And so here's what I know and believe in this room this morning. There is 
somebody here, maybe multiple people here, who you don't believe in God. You don't follow Jesus. You're not a disciple of his. You don't consider God's word to be true. And so believing these things is really difficult for you. And that's okay. But I would encourage you not to just stop there and go, well, I guess there's no way to find out. Keep seeking for truth. Ask your hard questions. Do a deep dive into scripture. As you ask your questions, follow the evidence. Because I believe with all of my heart that if you really explore God's word, you'll find it to be true. But if you give up at just going, well, that one thing didn't happen the way I told God I wanted it to, and I'm not excited about God, or I don't believe any of this stuff, or other things have better explanations for all that we are and all that we see and all that we do, and God's just a, a story, a fable. Just follow the evidence. Read the word and follow the evidence. That's what the shepherds did. They received word from God, and then they followed the evidence. And guess what? They found a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And they returned glorifying and praising God. It changed them. And I believe that it'll change you. So if you want more joy in your life, spend time getting to know Jesus in his word. Here's the last thing that I want to give you this morning. We find joy when we search for Jesus and he's most easily found in his word. Like that's where you're going to find him. And as you discover this life that Jesus has for you, he can radically transform all of your life. So if you want the joy that Jesus provides, seek after him wholeheartedly. The shepherd's night started out in that field and they had no clue that their lives were about to be radically re-altered, radically reshaped. And so as Jesus was born and their journey to Christmas took them into Bethlehem to find a child laying in a manger, it changed their life. And my hope for us today is that we'll seek after Jesus too. And that we'll find joy in him. Not a joy that can be stolen from us. It's not happiness. It's contentment. It's having a personal relationship with God that changes us. So I'm going to ask Phil to come back up. And we're going to sing one last song this morning. And as we do that, I want us just to ask, I want to ask you just to be thinking in your own mind. What does it look like? to have a relationship with Jesus that changes your life radically. If you don't know him at all, will you commit today to reinvestigating the truth claims of the Bible? Would you commit to just saying, I'll, I'll read it, I'll dive in, I'll come at it with clear focus, new perspective, I'll be willing to follow the evidence and I'll seek just like the shepherds did to go find out if it's true or not. Can you imagine how the shepherds' lives might have been different if the angels showed up that night and told them all those things and then they went, well, yeah, but I mean, we've got all these sheep here and, and like, I don't, we haven't put them in for the night yet and we've got other responsibilities and there's still all these, these work things to do to get ready for the evening and, and then tomorrow's going to be a long day. I probably need to get some sleep. Like, what if they had not gone and sought this out? How different would their lives have been? And if you don't seek it out, how different might your life be? And here's the second challenge. If you are a follower of Jesus today, who are you telling about the good news of great joy that you've discovered in Jesus? Is his name on the tip of your tongue? 
Is his name on your lips? When you talk, does he come into conversations with people? Are you willing to let people know that you're a follower of Jesus? When you talk about Christmas, this is an incredible time of year to be able to say, man, I want the focus is on Jesus. Our culture is celebrating these things. All the music that we hear on the radio and in our community is Jesus-focused. This is an opportunity for us to share what we have found. Not to keep it to ourselves, but to go out and tell others. So that's the challenge to us today, is will you go and share the hope, the good news of great joy that's for all people? It's not meant to be contained in you. It's meant for you to understand and receive and then give it away to others. So who will you tell? Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 10.45 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.